Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast. It's my pleasure to have with us today someone very special, someone who's doing amazing work in the area of criminal justice reform across the country. This podcast is brought to you by the Alliance for Shared Health, changing healthcare, changing lives. You can find out more about it by going to stacyontheright.com or familyvisionmedia.org and clicking on the banner ad. That's where you can find out all about how you can share and the health expenses of over 40,000 members while not contributing to causes that you don't support, like abortion. Uh, so check them out. All right, now it's my pleasure to welcome our next guest to the program. We are so blessed to have with us uh, someone who is doing the most when it comes to all the things that are really important for criminal justice. It's Chelsea Murphy, Florida Director for Right on Crime. The website is rightoncrime.com. Chelsea, thank you for being with us today. Stacey, thank you so much for having me, and, and thank you for, for giving us a little blurb of, of just kind of what we are and what we're about. Yeah, so I, I want people to know what you do and what you are about, because I think with organizations that are nationwide and across the country, you know, we can be interfacing and interacting with them without really knowing the actual mission. And so Right on Crime is a division of the Texas Public Policy Foundation. I have interviewed so many people from TPPF, um, always been fantastic with bringing issues to the fore so that I can share them with listeners. So tell us about how TPPF has created rightoncrime.com and what you all do. Yeah, absolutely. So TPPF um, uh, created Right on Crime, a national initiative. Uh, back in 2010, um, and it's really kind of taken off and, and been a leader for the conservative voice in the criminal justice reform space. Um, and I don't say that just because I work there. I, I, I used to work um, in in lobbying kind of world prior, and I used to know, know of Right on Crime for, for years. But Right on Crime is, uh, like I said, a conservative uh, criminal justice reform organization that, that has three main missions. Um, and one of them is, uh, and the most important, is, is really trying to make sure that our communities are safe. Any policies that we're putting forward, you know, we want to make sure that, that, that our taxpayers, our communities stay safe. And, and so that means, and in layman's terms, is, you know, that we're keeping prison for folks that we're scared of and not mad at. Um, and, and I think that's something really, really kind of a simple but important statement. Um, and, and secondly, uh, we really want to keep families together. We know how important it is uh, for family units to be together, what that does for children growing up um, and setting the the pathway for their life and their future and making sure that some of the, the mistakes of the past aren't, aren't replicated again. Um, and, and third, most importantly, uh, we want to make sure that, that we're saving taxpayers dollars um, and making sure that we're, we're using programs that are not only functioning, but showing some return on their investment to, to a taxpayer and to our country. So let's let's delve into that a little bit more. And I, I want to kind of highlight for our listeners, you've been immersed in Florida politics for over a decade. You've advocated on behalf of various clients ranging from Fortune 500 companies to trade organizations and associations, nonprofits, local governments. But you're actually representing specific to justice reform the largest and oldest private provider for reentry programming in the state of Florida. You helped to start two smart justice coalitions. And so you've, you've represented a variety of mental and behavioral health stakeholders. So your expertise in this area is appropriate for you to have the conversations that we're starting here. And I want to, I want to point out something that you said that kind of stuck out to me just now. 
And you're saying, you know, we're not angry at the offenders, but the ones we're afraid of are the ones that have to be incarcerated. So what is the difference there between what you just described and what is the uh, prevailing mode of thought when it comes to criminal justice? Well, I think that, um, you know, just for example, I know over in Tennessee, um, Governor Lee and, and over in uh, Texas, they're, they're hoping and working on uh, some bail reform. And although we haven't dived into that in Florida just yet, um, thinking about the alternative sentencing and, and what that means and, and, you know, when when folks make mistakes, um, and I, I never used to talk about it, but one of the, the reasons why I have a, an extra fond um passion for this area is I was arrested myself. Um, Simple DUI situation. I was 20 and done. And because of, and if not for, you know, the situation that I was in, I'm fortunate to come from a a very loving, generous family that was able to help me out. Um, There were a lot of steps that, that kind of went into that. And even though it was, you know, thankfully nobody was hurt, there were a lot of mistakes that were made. There was a lot of uh, things that I learned along the way and people that I saw in the, in the justice system that, one, I would have never seen. Um, but to, to realize that it can affect anybody and, you know, nobody should be judged on their worst day. Um, and by all means, you know, we're not here to, to be defending violent criminals. Um, but for those who make some dumb mistakes and, you know, life is hard and sometimes we have poor choices and we shouldn't be judged on our worst day. Yeah, I hope that people can understand the difference in what you're talking about, because I I happen to be a very, I'm a very strong proponent of a clear and justice oriented criminal justice system where, Mm -hmm. you know, the the punishment suits the crime. And so when you're talking about violent offenders, you know, that that's a whole different lane than people who are are nonviolent offenders or first time offenders, nonviolent. And I think there's been a real uh, that the lanes have been blurred and everybody just mashes everybody in the same thing. So when people hear criminal justice reform, the first thing they think of is someone who murdered someone getting out after seven years or, you know, <laughs> just some some sure. ludicrous uh, idea. I like to think more of uh, a grandmother that we that that was here in Florida, Cynthia Powell. Um, and it was, she was a first time nonviolent offender who sold less than 30 pills. Um, and was sentenced to a, a, a egregious um, amount of time, I think close to 30 years. Um, and so for that, that doesn't fit the crime. We've got people who are getting out, reoffending. I mean, you think of some, some horrible things that have happened down in, in uh, Polk County, Florida. There was a guy who had been arrested, had 200 various uh, charges against him and got out and went and murdered three people. That's the kind of person we need to be locking up. But, you know, we, we shouldn't be focusing our time on or, or lengthy periods of time. We need to be thinking about different forms of, of rehabilitation and what that means. You know, and counseling is a big thing um, and, and reentry and getting folks back on their feet and making sure that not only when they get back on their feet, that, you know, that they're they're productive citizens in society. Um, and, you know, I, I can't think of anything worse than giving somebody who, who served a long prison sentence $50 and a bus ticket and telling them good luck, because that's kind of what we have here in Florida. And so I think it's really important that, that you know, folks that are going to come back out, which they are, um, is that we're, we're giving them proper services while they're incarcerated um, and making sure that we have proper services for them on the, on the back end um, to make sure that these kind of situations don't happen again. Um, but I'm with you 110%. There are folks that are, that are not 
able to be saved. I'm not here to to, to defend that, um, but to really talk about those those nonviolent first time offenders um, and folks that kind of just make that that one mistake. Um, so hopefully that 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 explains it a little easier for you of, of where we where we kind of fall into. No, it does, and I I think that once you've explained that, then people can move beyond the. Uh, the, the failed kinds of criminal justice reform of the past and move into discussions about how we can make better choices and decisions, which leads us to this this article. It's linked in the show notes if anyone wants to check it out while we're listening to the podcast here. You have the Tennessee leaders define conservative criminal justice reform. And this is something that your organization has been working on for quite a while Tell us about what they're doing in Tennessee. I know you're the director for Florida, but this is a part of uh, RightOnCrime.com. Yeah, absolutely. And and Julie Warren, who is um, who's now our deputy director for for all of for national Right on Crime, but she was also our our longtime Tennessee director. Obviously, could speak a lot better to this than I could. But you know, they they have really been uh, championing Governor Lee and and working with his staff. Um, and, and members of, of their legislature on uh, various different types of reform. And, and, you know, the fact that they're leading in bail reform um, in the nation is, is miraculous, let alone from a conservative state, no less. Um, and, you know, they're, they're focusing on reentry services as well. So it's, it's really, really important um, and, and, and great to see. And folks like, uh, you know, former Governor Rick Perry, he's a, he wrote a great article as well, um, and it was a, an editorial, but just talking about how conservatives um, leading in Tennessee and Texas are really um, showing what it's like, showing the showing, you know, you can close 10 prisons. You can make those kind of, of changes, but also you're still locking up the bad folks that we're that we're afraid of. Um, and there's a way to do that um, and, a, and, a, and a conservative one at that. And I want to be very clear. I hate to say it and I hate to 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 balk at my friends over at the ACLU, but we are two different types of groups and we go about it completely differently. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a shame that we sometimes get caught into it. Like you said, a criminal justice reform becomes a catch all kind of term, but there really is a, a difference um, in some of the, the, the policies that we, we choose to engage on. Yeah. there. So the ACLU has in the past, I remember Everyone, regardless of political party, championed the causes of the ACLU when I was a child because back then they were an organization that they were really nonpartisan and they just, if you were the little guy and you needed help in court to set things right, they would swoop in and no matter how long it took, they would just lock on to your case, you know, with bulldog jaws and hang on there until they saw justice for you. And there were a lot of cases where they, they set things right. They made a difference that that set precedent for other people, which meant that others wouldn't have to go through the horrors of the case that they were handling. And now they're much more partisan. But beyond that, they seem to have a really hellish bent on taking up cases and taking the side of someone who really is is the criminal. Uh, so it's good for you to kind of lay it out there that you're not a part of that thought process. Um, and so there's, there's a few things that the 2021 Tennessee legislative session had in their right on crime uh, partnership. And there were two bills that were championed by governor Lee that were passed. And I want to have some uh, defining of terms here, improving the overall effectiveness of alternative sen- sentencing policies in Tennessee, 
We actually hear a lot about that here in the St. Louis region. Um, There have been like there was a special court that was set up out in the county to handle young offenders out of the inner city in St. Louis. And what ended up happening is that court under pressure from, uh, you know, activist groups ended up being a wrist slapping court where a teenager who was a repeat carjacking offender could, you know, would go to that court because they're a teenager. And instead of being sentenced to hard time for the second or third carjacking, they would just get released on their own recognizance or put into some kind of, you know, uh, you know, basically it's some kind of therapy or something. And so, you know, you have people getting carjacked again and again and again, and it's the same small group of teenagers in the inner city who are doing it. So alternative sentencing policies, reentry success act. What do these things mean in practice when they're connected to right on crime? When they're connected to right on crime. And, and I, you know, again, I can speak specific to the, to the bill, but I know that, you know, the way that we go about things, um, with, in regards to RORs and um, and I'm sorry, uh, I I should stop speaking in my lingo here. But in regards to bail reform, you know, there are plenty of people who and it, and it's scary. You know, you you just killed someone, but you can have a bond um, in some cases, or you know, you're involved in an aggravated, violent some sort of situation, but there is a bond out for you. Meanwhile someone's incapable of, of, you know, paying a thousand dollars because they had, you know, since they were driving under a suspended license, can't get out of jail. Um, and so that's when we need to be making some, some differences and, and taking a look back on, you know, wait a second, we need to have some alternative sentencing options for these. I think that, that Tennessee has really done a, a great job on leading that and hopefully Texas will follow, which is hard to, it's hard to say because we've been saying so long Texas was leading the way, but it's great to see that um, that Tennessee is catching on. Yeah, I <laughs> when it is nice when you see something good happening across, you know, in another state across the country. Because, believe it or not, we that's how we win on the long term is when successful programming at the state level, whether it's criminal justice reform or tax reform or what have you, when successful policies are enacted and those those things are seen. And then they are tried in other states that actually honors the founders. And, uh, it, you know, it just it's an, an amazing thing that we have here in America that isn't replicated pretty much anywhere else in the world because our states are individual incubators of liberty, as it were. Um, so at, as we're closing out here, you've explained very eloquently what criminal justice reform is and what right on crime does. And, you know, some of the successes like the 2021 le- Tennessee legislative session. What else would you say to people if, if someone's listening to this and they're really, you know, they, they're kind of sour on criminal justice reform and you wanted to give them an elevator pitch for it or direct them to some resources so they could learn more about it? Because you, I know part of what you do, part of your mission is to get everyone understanding what criminal justice reform should be, what it is in connection to right on crime, and then to help advocate for that at the state level all over the nation. So what would you say to them? Well, I think that one of the really unique uh, factors that we have at Right on Crime is our signatories. Um, and we've got a, a list of them that's available on our website. Um, but they range from Newt Gingrich to former Governor Jeb Bush to Governor Rick Perry. Um, and then we have various states, different um, former judges, U.S. attorneys. I could go on and on. And and some of those folks were, were individuals who might have been very, very tough on crime when they were in office. Um, but they've seen kind of how things have transpired. They have um, seen the light. And in fact, our new director, 
uh, Brett Tolman is the perfect uh, person, former U.S. attorney out of Utah, is the perfect person to explain this, uh, considering he put some very, very bad people away. He was um, the prosecutor for the Elizabeth Smart case, um, kidnapping case. And that gentleman deserved every bit of it. But Brett also um, would tell you about a case that he wishes he could. Um, he turned around and once he got out, he became his criminal defense attorney. So sometimes there's cases, and 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 my dad always explained this to you, is it's not always um, a justice system; it's a legal system, and that doesn't make it right. Um, and so we really need to make sure that it's fair um, and that we're using our tax dollars correctly instead of blowing money left and right at programs that aren't working. Um, and also take, make sure that we're keeping families together because at the end of the day, when one person is incarcerated, the whole family is incarcerated. And that has a huge, huge effect on folks. And, you know, although sometimes people don't understand it, you know, that might be fortunate, but there's somebody I guarantee you around you who has been touched by this in some capacity. And it's just, it's, you want to make sure that it's a fair and just one for anyone that, that enters it. I love it. I love it. Uh, this is a difficult subject. And I think your sharing of your experience, you know, from from your 20s, I mean, who hasn't made a silly choice in their 20s, um, for you to share that with with people and to kind of use that as a grounding point, and a jumping off point of starting the conversation about criminal justice reform. Um, it kind of plugs people into what you're saying in a very meaningful way that, you know, if you were, if you were keeping that to yourself, um, there, it takes longer for people to kind of come alongside a discussion about criminal justice reform. I've, I've heard so many people make great cases against it. You've made such a great case for it. And I hope that the podcast goes far and wide and that the work at right on crime continues to flourish because we need criminal justice reform in this country. Uh, people are not, they're not throwaways. They deserve an opportunity to uh, redeem themselves and, uh, that only and with happens. That too, and I don't mean to interrupt you with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be funding police officers, not defunding police officers. Yes. And and so that's also something that would kind of separate us in in that in, in that whole ACLU thing. But I didn't need to, to interrupt you. But I no, no, that was a perfect point to interject there because uh, we wouldn't want anyone to think that defunding the police was a part of right on crime. It is the antithesis to what you're working on. In fact, you're not the the criminal justice reform that you're advocating for doesn't have anything to do with police budgets or funding at all. No. Well, I think people have gotten a great taste and they can find out more at rightoncrime.com. Uh, it has been our pleasure to have today with us Chelsea Murphy, Florida Director of Right on Crime. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, Stacey. All right. Great to talk to you. So I want to tell you one quick thing about our advertiser. Um, we have the Alliance for Shared Health, and they offer such an amazing service to families who have Christian belief systems, a Christian worldview. If you are just absolutely put out by the health insurance options that have been offered to you by the Affordable Care Act, or if you are aware and really cognizant of the amount of interaction between the abortion industry and our, our health care systems, then you know that you don't want to be supporting that or funding that because it is just the wrong way to go. So the Alliance for Shared Health has a, is a ministry with over 40,000 households who participate, sharing in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including needs sharing for critical illness, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. 
Open enrollments now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and sign up now. It's StacyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and start sharing and saving today. The Alliance for Shared Health is changing healthcare and changing lives. And we're so glad you're here with us at the podcast. Find out more at StacyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. We'll be back with you soon. God bless.